0: This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese and excited to be joined once again by Mr. Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, welcome back as we continue with our little Dynasty Rankings and discussion series here tonight.
1: Hey, Paul, how's it going? I am once again excited to just be talking football again.
0: Absolutely. If you have missed part one and part two of this mini four-part series, please get back and check them out. The feedback we've been receiving from them has been very positive. Uh, Reach out to us, either Jeff or myself on Twitter, asking us questions. Uh, We'd be excited to interact with you. Uh, give you some advice, maybe a little bit more individual advice for what, for your league. Uh, because we've looked at the quarterbacks, we've looked at the running backs and we've talked a lot about the challenges that go into dynasty rankings. So why don't we just start there again? Jeff, I know we were talking a little bit off air ranking the wide receivers. Is there one or two things that you can kind of pinpoint that you found most challenging? about ranking for Dynasty overall wide receivers?
1: I think the first major challenge with the wide receiver position is there are so many names, um, and it's sort of a pick your flavor of the guy you like. There's 40-plus players that I think is defensible to put into the top 24, um, at least from an argument standpoint from a bunch of different folks. So you're trying to squeeze in you know, double the amount of volume into just a tiny little compression. And it's just, again, some of these guys will hit at a better rate than another. And and you're just trying to discern nuanced differences in rankings. And and they're all kind of just these big tiers, right? So, you know, you know, while we might be apart by 10 spots on the rankings, it just might be, you know, one guy's at the top of a tier for somebody and at the bottom of the tier for the next. So that's one of the hardest pieces for me the second thing and and this is a little bit of what we talked about off air is just with the with the running back position you kind of can see those cliffs coming with the wide receiver position especially when you're talking about elite talents right the the Julio Jones right they they don't tend to fall off a cliff real quickly right like they they have a gradual curve because the experience that they've gained, the tools that they have, they know how to manipulate that their defenders, you know, even if maybe they're not quite as athletic as in their prime, they can still win on guile. They, they can still um, have report with their quarterbacks and, and get open. And so they can play well into their thirties. And so when do you start fading wide receivers, leaving their prime and, put in these young, promising wide receivers who, you know, sometimes they they hit it, uh you know, a top end wide receiver two level. Sometimes they're going to be the next Julio Jones, the next, uh, you know, the next DeAndre Hopkins. And, and how do you choose between those guys? Like which one is going to be, you know, which one's going to be the top six guy and which one's going to be a solid roster member for your your fantasy team. Your, your kind of your wide receiver two threes. You know the the stars, but not the superstars in in the league. And so it's just it's really hard to to pick the nuances of these differences because they're all so talented. And and it's we don't get all of the insight into what makeup changes between a guy who who made it to the very top of the league versus some some guy who's just been a consistent contributor year in and year out.
0: Yeah. I mean, you made a lot of great points there. The one about 40 guys for the top 24, I think is spot on because I really do think when I was looking at this, I I thought there were somewhere right around 40 guys that you could have rearranged to make up your back five, six names of your top 24 that there were a lot of different ways that you could have went with it. Based on what we've talked about a couple times throughout these dynasty shows is what are you looking to do? Are you a contender right now? Are you reloading? Are you going youth and and total rebuild and you're looking more three years out is Is it a startup or you know is it a already established league and and based on those answers, that's how you would really finalize the back five or six of your top twenty four. But those answers would also dramatically impact how you establish your first like top 16, the top 18 as well. And I think that's something that, yeah, I think a lot of the names in the top 18 or so would be very similar on people's boards, but how you have them ranked, I think could be so dramatically different in that top 15, top 18, because of what we're just saying. What's your window and and is it a startup? Is it a are you winning right now? Is it a partial rebuild or is it a full-blown rebuild? Like there's a lot of ways it can go because the longevity, as you talked about that in your second point, about guys like Julio and you know, sometimes you're talking about guys who can be good into their early 30s. So if you have an opportunity to get a young player that you believe in. You could theoretically have this guy for seven, eight to 10 years of producing somewhere between, you know, wide receiver two to wide receiver one numbers. And how do you value that potential of maybe a seven to 10 year guy, even though we know things dramatically change, but the possibility is there more at wide receiver, you know, than running back, obviously, for sure, compared to a guy who is maybe at the back end of their prime, but still maybe has a couple of elite years left before they take a little bit of dip. It's it's a very, it's even more trickier I think than the running back position for those reasons. And we're going to talk about a lot of guys tonight. So why don't we, why don't we jump right in Jeff? Why don't you kick it off for us tonight? Since I just was talking a little bit, why don't you share uh, with the top of your wide receiver, ranks look like? And then maybe from that top 24, one or two names that kind of surprised you where they ended up uh, being located in that top 24, whether it was positive surprise, negative surprise, something that stood out.
1: So I'll dive right in. Uh, AJ Brown is my top overall dynasty wide receiver. And right behind him is Justin Jefferson as my second. And uh, my third and fourth uh, wide receivers is Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. So bringing in the kind of the elite production and uh, still have DeAndre Hopkins in my top five as number five and Stefan Diggs at number six. And then we start getting into the, the youth movement here with uh, DK Metcalf at number seven, Calvin Ridley at number eight, Ceedee lamb at number nine, Terry McLaurin at number 10 And Allen Robinson slides in there at number 11, but the the youth kind of keeps going with Chris Godwin at number 12, Jamar Chase at number 13. Uh, Amari Cooper is my 14th wide receiver. DJ Moore is my 15th wide receiver. Keenan Allen at 16. Mike Evans at 17. Michael Thomas fell down for me to number 18. We might talk about him a a tad. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is at number 19. T. Higgins at number 20. And then I think there's a tear break there for me. And and it, it looks like uh, maybe the same for you because I look at our top 20. looks actually the same names but just slightly different order. And then I get into kind of the back end where we have Kenny Galladay at wide receiver 21, Jerry Judy at wide receiver 22, Cortland Sutton at 23, and rounding out with Robert Woods at 24.
0: Yeah, so uh, – uh, and then – you mentioned a couple guys there at the, the the elite performers, the youth movement. Is there one or two names on, on your list right there, Jeff, that surprised you either how low they were or how high they were? Uh,
1: the biggest one for me is Michael Thomas. And it, it was just hard to to figure out what to do with him, especially with a lot of the recent news coming out and the mm-hmm. uncertainty within the whole situation that is there in new Orleans. So, I mean, 18 feels criminally low for the guy who led the league in, in receptions just a couple of years ago. So that one was pretty tough. But other than that, I think the top 20, you know, like I said, they're kind of the same names for us and, and we kind of have them striated pretty close with similar names at the top and similar names toward the back end. So nothing like very shocking there. Um, and I think you'll probably I don't think there's going to be anything really out of the blue as, as people kind of walk through those names. Um, I, I, Maybe a little bit more for some of your rankings, which I'm going to be really interested to see to, to hear your answer to this question.
0: Sure. So let me jump in. Uh, for me, A.J. Brown is at number one. Justin Jefferson at two. Tyree Kill at three. So we did have the same one, two, three. I had Stefan Diggs at number four. Calvin Ridley at five. Jamar Chase at six. D.K. Metcalf at seven. C.D. Lamb at eight. Devontae Adams at nine. Terry McLaurin at 10. DeAndre Hopkins at 11. Michael Thomas at 12. Keenan Allen at 13. T. Higgins at 14. D.J. Moore at 15. Chris Godwin at 16. Brandon Ayuk at 17, Amari Cooper at 18, Allen Robinson at 19, Mike Evans at 20, and then rounding out my top 24, Jerry Judy at 21, pair of rookies this year, Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell at 22, 23, and Chase Claypool at 24. You mentioned them as one of your most surprising names on the list. I would say Michael Thomas for me for a couple of reasons. One was it wasn't that long ago. I think two years ago, he was at the top of this list. Like if you looked at most dynasty wide receiver rankings, he was right at the top at number one or number two. So having him down at 12 is already a little bit of a surprise, but I kind of think that as I'm looking through this, I could I could understand why you have him even a little bit lower now with the uncertainty he's a guy who I didn't really move uh too much based on him missing the first half of the year and and I'm kind of thinking to myself like if I was doing a startup tomorrow I might take that a little bit more into consideration than what I just have it you know ranked here so I could even see him moving a little bit further back if we were talking about a a startup uh you know, because this year could be a, a little bit of a lost year at least the first half of the year for him, and then the uncertainty with the Saints quarterback situation as well, so that was definitely a name that surprised me even being down to twelve, but that might even be a little too high and then the other guy and we were talking a little bit off air about him as well is I don't think many people envisioned the scenario last year at this time that if we were kind of guessing what dynasty wide receiver rankings would look like 365 days later. I don't think a lot of people would have Brandon Ayuk on that list. And Brandon Iook was a guy that I did like coming out of college. I know he was not a darling of the Debbie community, late breakout age. He was a transfer, you know, market share, all that stuff. Uh, you know, but the NFL liked them a lot. Obviously the 49ers liked them a lot, whether it was hyperbole or not, you know, Kyle Shanahan came out and said he was their number one wide receiver on the board, whether that was just pumping up their guy or maybe he was right. Because we did talk, we talk a lot here about scheme fits and there wasn't another receiver schematically that fit kind of what the 49ers like to do in terms of getting their ball to their playmakers in space. But then he really evolved last year as we were talking about off air and he showed even more in his first year than he had ever shown in college. And it goes to the fact that sometimes we pigeonhole these guys, you know, to only be what we see on college. And sometimes that's just what they're asked to do at the collegiate game. And there's a lot more behind the scenes that the NFL might get out of coaches and stuff like that, that then we aren't really, you know, privileged to, to know about. And I don't think a lot of people would have foreseen a scenario where with the questions that came into league with Brandon Ayuk that he'd be 17th on my list, you know, 19th on your list, pretty much universally top 20, I think um, it, it's kind of surprising as well that he's put himself in that situation right now. So I think Michael Thomas and Brandon Ayuk would be the two guys that most surprised me. Yeah. So just to
1: maybe respond yeah. real quick on Brandon Ayuk. I, that was sort of the other name hanging around the back of my head mostly because I I think it just speaks again to why dynasty wide receiver ranks are so difficult is because, you know, they're, they're very talented players and, and they may not have been, you know, they may not, whether it's in the NFL and a previous scheme in the NFL or whether just like their college tape or what they were asked to do in college and what their abilities are beyond that, but no, but you can't really see it when you're looking from afar on the tape. and, Sometimes these guys make just a massive leap like that and and they kind of prove you wrong. And and you have to be able to and willing to adjust to that, you know, on the fly and, and hopefully quickly, especially and, and they prove you right. So Brandon Ayuk is one of those ones that 365 days ago would not have expected him to be on this list for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think most people would have been surprised by that. So you know, so I I think we're in lockstep there that Thomas and Ayuk were some surprises, you know, for negative or positive that that we kind of. So why don't we why don't we get into some big names here that we had some different perspectives on and kind of talk about it and and I'll kind of kick it off here for us that. Two Cincinnati Bengals, obviously Jamar Chase and T Higgins are both in our, you know, top 24, but I'm higher, uh, than you on them. I have Jamar Chase at six, T Higgins at 15. Uh, you have Higgins at 20. You have Chase at 13. My, my thought process here is, is I'm all in on the Bengals' offense in terms of their skill players. You know, we talked on the previous episode, how high I am on Joe Mixon. I think his breakout's on the verge. I'm very high on, on Joe Burrow. I think they still have significant work to do on the defensive side. So I think we could see a, a period of stretch here where their offense is really in a lot of high scoring games and I love T. Higgins coming out of college. There were questions I know people had about him, about separation, stuff like that. And I thought he kind of got pigeonholed into that Nikhil Harry, you know, type of Laquan Treadwell concerns that I just didn't see at the collegiate level. I saw him win in a variety of ways. Late separation is what I thought T. Higgins had with that body control is why I liked him so much. And I was stunned to be honest with you to see how well of a rookie season he had. So I know now he's not the alpha moving forward. I don't expect him to be, but I think that offense is going to be prolific enough. And I think Joe Burrow is going to be good enough to support two guys that are perennial in that top 15, top 16, whether we're talking redraft or dynasty I don't want to move him down too much because of that. Is there enough balls to go around? Cause I think we get ourselves into trouble, right? The community as a whole was very concerned about Calvin Ridley when he ended up with Julio Jones. And I pushed back and said, no, I think there's plenty to go around. That's kind of my stance here with Jamar chase and T Higgins. And I know Tyler Boyd's still there, but you know, who knows how long he's going to be there. They may have to decide at some point, is he worth the expense if we know we're going to keep these guys long-term and maybe he's not there, right? But I think I think there's enough talent to go around, so I wanted to keep Higgins high on my ranks because of how much I liked him pre-draft and then after his rookie year. I, I didn't want to justify moving him too far down just because Jamar Chase was there, so I still had him there after that little old guard tier of Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas. I felt like... Higgins right after those guys made some sense for me because I'm baking in a little risk. Those guys are definitely a little bit safer, especially for the short term. But I still think Higgins' upside uh, is really high that he can catapult over those guys in a year or two. So I wanted him up there. As for Jamar Chase, it's really just an investment on... To me, he's the best wide receiver talent that I've evaluated at Saturday to Sunday in the in the five, six years that we've been doing Saturday to Sunday. I think he's complete. I think he's a more athletic version of DeAndre Hopkins. And I know that's lofty praise, but I he's a guy that I kind of want to be in on at the ground floor and and, and enjoy the ride. Because I talked before, he's a guy that I'd be very surprised if he's not great. And I don't say that about too many players because we don't know how guys could adapt To the NFL. But as we talked about off air, guys are making the transition at a rapidly high rate at the wide receiver position with very few dramatic busts. And when you look back at the guys who've really busted, I think you see things that should have been more causes for concern. I just don't see any of them for Jamar Chase. So I kind of want to get in and enjoy the the longevity of what could be, I think a great hall of fame type career. So that's why I have them as high as I do. I know it's aggressive. And again, it's one of those things where if I was a contending team, no, I'm not trading Devontae Adams for the draft pick that, that would have needed to be to become Jamar Chase. But if I was in a startup tomorrow and it, I, I went running back, let's say in round one, and then I'm staring at somebody's wide, top wide receivers at the start of round two or the middle of round two. And if Jamar Chase was still there, I think I'd pick him over some of these other guys because of the youth, because of the upside. Uh, so that's kind of my stance on those two bangles. A- any questions to me, comments from your end on how you approach those two bangles a little differently?
1: I really like I know that you guys have been a big T Higgins fans and it's been great to see him translate, you know, I know again, people tend to pigeonhole these guys into archetypes that may or may not be successful and and I think Higgins has shown that, you know sometimes, you know, the way that you win or, or like a player themselves win, you know, it you don't have to fit a particular mold if you're good at what you do. Um so I, I'm really like I'm I'm happy that you have Higgins High, you know, and I totally get planting a flag on Jamar Chase. We don't have to rehash too much because I think a lot of my comments will sort of retread a lot of what we talked about with Joe Mixon, which is just, you know, I'm not, I think, you know, for all of these guys to hit, we're talking about an offense that, you know, is top five in the league I just don't know. I mean, I love Joe Burrow. I think he could captain that. I'm just not sold that there, the coaches there are really able to to get the most out of out of a system like that. Um, so it's just for me. I just I'm not ready to make the same leap that you are. Um, and and again, and it's just sort of like again, like you you have Mixon as a top six running back because you you see him making that leap. You think he's going to get there, and then he's going to give you a few years. And again, my my concern was just you know you're maybe you're not drafting Joe Mixon at six. That was your point a couple days ago. It'd be the same thing. Your maybe your point isn't you don't have to draft Jamar Chase. It's your sixth wide receiver. But but to me, to kind of like have them ranked there, or if someone's going to take these as rankings for you know their own tool to maybe make decisions with on their own drafts you know it's sort of pricing them at their ceiling right like you know you're planting your flag and you're saying Chase is going to get there and then he's going to be worth this rank and and you could very well be right I think I just factor in a little bit of opportunity that not that Chase won't be good because I really think he will but just maybe he won't be as good as we think I think it's really hard to I think it's really hard to make the call of who is going to be who's going to be the 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 guy from the class that hits that elite tier.
0: Yeah, I mean no, th- that you know when when you put it in the perspective of yeah, I am ranking Chase. But listen, his ceiling obviously could be number one in a couple of years. We, we understand that, right? He's got the, he, it's not inconceivable, you know, fast forward a year or two years and we're talking him where Justin Jefferson is right now and AJ Brown. Like that's definitely in the realm of possibilities when you think about him and Justin Jefferson played on the same team and, and Jamar Chase was better. Like, you know, but I'm drafting him as an elite wide receiver one. Like, and if he doesn't get there, that's what you're saying, right? You know, you're saying like, if he doesn't get there, it's a miss. And it, and a hundred percent, I'm admitting that, that if he doesn't become an elite level wide receiver one, I overshot and oversold, you know, this ranking on him. and And I think that's where dynasty is so dramatically different than, let's say, redraft, right? Because in redraft, like, I, it wouldn't even be, you know, Jamar Chase, I haven't made redraft rankings yet for this year, but my guess would be Jamar Chase is more like wide receiver 20, right, or 21 or something like that, you know, when I sit down to do that. You know, so, like, it's not like I'm expecting wide receiver one this year. It's just part of me thinks wide receiver two this year, explosion next year and if there's a lot of built-in projection there and and that that's something that a lot of people won't feel comfortable with that and i'm acknowledging that and it kind of goes back to like understanding that you shouldn't really just draft straight off of rankings tiers. Like you've talked about repeatedly is definitely the way to go. Understanding ADP needs to be acknowledged. You know, when we're talking about, you know, rankings and, and, and drafting and stuff like that. And there's definitely an analytical approach that, and this goes into my film watching as well, even from when we're talking about prospects that, I'm much more feel based film based than I am analytical based when you you know when I hear you talk about if you think this guy's there this guy's there, it does in the back of my mind start to be like wow, I am projecting a lot out of the Bengals offense and that's where there for my own side of it, I could benefit a little bit more for for using some analytical, Uh, processing in my thought process, in my rankings based on putting this collectively together, right? What I think about Burrow, what I think about Mixon, what I think about T. Higgins and what I think about Chase, if you put it all together, I'm on the verge of saying, like you said, this is about to be an elite, elite offense. And I, I think it has the potential to be that but I might be ranking it based on as if they are already there. So I could see the, the the pushback. I could see the questioning. I could see some of the concerns there. So so it's a it's an interesting thought process of kind of planting your flag, trying to project out, but are we baking am I baking in too much risk? I could understand the perspective that I am. And 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 I think you bring up some good art counterpoints of that process there. Um, why, don't we, why don't we transition this away from the Bengals? And why don't we talk about a couple of guys who are well-established stars and, and Devante Adams, DeAndre Hopkins and Allen Robinson. You have each of those guys higher than me. I have Adams at nine. You have met four. I have Hopkins at 11. You have met five. I have Allen Robinson at 19. You have him at 11. My thought process is not all that different than what, what I was just talking about. I see some of these guys at the peak right now. And I think we're seeing a tide at the wide receiver position that look how quickly AJ Brown and Justin Jefferson catapulted themselves to the top of dynasty wide receiver rankings. So my process in this is we're seeing those type of guys catapult up quickly. Calvin Ridley has exploded right into most people's top five, top sixes in the last calendar year. So these guys like Adams, Michael Thomas, and DeAndre Hopkins, I have them slightly back. It would still be one large tier, but I have them a little bit further back because – They're right now in their peer, in their prime. And I think there's a little bit of question marks about how much longer they'll be in there before we start to see a slight dip, just a slight. But that slight dip could be enough for guys like C.D. Lamb or D.K. Metcalf uh, to kind of catapult or or Jamar Chase, who we're just talking about, kind of catapult themselves over them. For Devontae Adams, if I knew Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback for the next three years, he's way up there. I have him right after Tyree Kill, and he's number four. But I baked that in a little bit for Devontae Adams. Michael Thomas, we already uh, talked about him before. DeAndre Hopkins, we saw him play a lot closer to the line of scrimmage last year, not be the DeAndre Hopkins that we saw in Houston. Now, is that just a part of Cliff Kingsbury's scheme, not really working at the NFL? maybe. And that could be it, but we didn't see the same DeAndre Hopkins. He obviously had massive target share and stuff like that, but, and he's going to still have that, but we didn't see him use as much vertically down the field. Hopkins is a guy who I think is going to stay really good for a long period of time, but he's always been a guy that's never won with elite level athleticism. He's won at the catch point, great body control, late separation, kind of what I was talking about T Higgins, uh, Is there going to be a little bit of a dip as he gets a little bit closer to 30? And then Allen Robinson, a little bit of baked in, is the unknown of, besides Stefan Diggs, who's the most recent one in our memory, of a wide receiver changing places and being great, sometimes it, it doesn't always work out great, right? We see a little bit. And if he stays with Justin Fields, I think the marriage can be beautiful. And I think maybe I'm too low on him. But with his pending free agency, a little bit of uncertainty there that... I had him a little bit further down. I probably could have made the same argument then about Chris Godwin because we don't know where he's gonna be next year either. Uh so I think those those guys maybe a little bit with their pending free agency, I let that seep into my mind a little bit about a little bit of uncertainty about where they could be playing next year. Any thoughts on those elite level stars and, and the approach you took, which had them all a little bit higher?
1: Yeah, I mean you make very good points, especially if you do have the the level of confidence you do with guys like, um, I mean, we mentioned Jim Chase, but CD lamb, right. Um, We've seen the up and comers where it's sort of no doubt other guys that I have in this range or slightly above DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley. Right. Um, I know you say the tide's coming. It's something I've kind of heard for the last like three or four years. And I think that tide's just a little bit slower (laughs) than we expect, but I, I'm at. I'm coming around to the point now with Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, that we are actually seeing a, a pretty fundamental shift at the top of the the wide receiver tiers. Um, you know, for me, it's just a mindset of what's really hard to balance because I I think I'm certainly ready to put some of these young guys, especially if they've either been elite on their college tape or they've started to show it right away in the NFL, I'm ready to kind of put them above those tried and true producers that are going to give you those fantasy points if they're close enough on the production level. The, the really hard point for me is where Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins pick up 170 targets, double-digit touchdowns, 1,400 yards, like, they're just, Tyreek Hill, like, they're just so far and away outproducing their peers that they they provide an advantage to your fantasy squad. It's kind of like why, I mean, maybe we'll tease, I haven't seen our tight end rankings, but um, we might be able to tease that with, you know, guys like Travis Kelsey versus guys like you know, maybe Kyle Pitts or TJ Hawkinson, the the up and comers versus the, the tried and true producers, those guys who give you just I, I, I bring those names up just because I think people can really understand in that light how much of an advantage you get. I, I mean I, I won a lot of leagues with Deon, with uh, uh Devontae Adams last year because you know he 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 was outscoring all his peers by five points a game, you know, just because he was scoring touchdowns every single game sometimes multiple and so for me it's just like really hard to balance that um and with wide receiver even more so than it was with running back because I don't see these guys falling off a cliff in two years or three years right you know I'm willing to maybe bite the bullet get the production for the running backs get a championship and then just kind of work through bringing in some more youth later rather than trying to get ahead of the curve sometimes and, and just kind of see what I can do to win the championships with with the older guys. But with wide receiver, it's really hard because I don't know that they're going to, they're not going to necessarily fall off my team. They're still going to be there scoring points. Um, the tricky thing you'll have to balance is from a dynasty value perspective. Um, people won't want them when they hit a certain age. You know, nobody wants to Julio Jones right now, regardless of whether he's still a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. So I think that that's just like where, you know, these names become difficult. Um for me Allen Robinson's just a slightly different case. I think he's young enough paired with Justin Fields and I think he's going to be just the focal point of that offense, you know, for the next 3-4 years. He he will need an extension. That's going to be the tricky thing. I I don't see a way that Chicago's going to let him leave, but that that would be a that would be kind of one bump in the road for for my projection of Allen Robinson.
0: Yeah, I mean I, and I think the case is strong there for for those guys like, you know, and this is where perception in terms of differences in style of rankings. And again, this is, you know, the, the differences in, in Jeff and I's approach is no different than all of you guys who play in dynasty leagues, right? You know your dynasty league mates. You know who, you know, how people approach things. And some people really, really value rookie picks and other people are much more willing to move past them. And some people. Want a guy like Julio Jones, even at his age, and other people won't even consider trading any asset for Julio Jones at his age, right? And, 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 and that's kind of, you know, the style of people in your league is the same way every ranker who does dynasty rankings, you know, has a different perspective in how they do it, you know, and I think you do even each individual person. I think has to understand that from one league to another, the rankings could be so dramatically different in terms of the approach you take. As I said before, right? If I'm a contender, I'm not trading away Devonte Adams for one easy, for a younger guy, just because I think in two years he might, you know, slightly decrease a little bit. But if I'm, I have no shot at winning the next couple of years, then what's Devontae Adams really going to do for me right now? Like I'd rather take my chance that I find the next guy who's going to have that five to seven year run like Devontae Adams had, you know, and, and that's really the perspective of rankings are great, but dynasty rankings more than anything, more than dynasty rookie rankings, more than redraft rankings, more than anything. You can't take one set of rankings and it's not one size fits all. It it truly isn't. It's not even one size fits all for the person who ranks them, let alone for consumers to look at them and, and and understand it. And that's that context. That's the part that, you know, Jeff and I say, reach out to us and be like, I'm a contender. This is a trade offer I have on the table. What do you think? Or I'm in the tent I'm in the fourth round of a slow draft dynasty startup. These are my options, right? Because you might reach out to us and my answer. Might be different than what my rankings say, and if, it, if it's a well-established team, and you know Jeff's rankings might not match up with what he responds to you. Right, it, it really does depend. So I think that's something that you know we've been really trying to harp on over the first couple episodes here on context in terms of what it, it really does sway perception in terms of what you would do in the instance. And it's not a one size fits all. So Jeff, a couple other guys that at the top in their top 24 that, that we had, uh we already talked about Michael Thomas. So I'm going to kind of skip by him, but a couple other guys I want to bring up. One is Chase Claypool. I have him at 24. You have him at 35. Expert consensus rank him has that 26. And then Jalen Waddle mean you were both higher on him i have him at twenty three you have him at twenty eight e c r has him at thirty three some thoughts on claypool and waddle you know why are you a little bit maybe behind on claypool and why a little bit higher on waddle and then I'll share some quick thoughts from my perspective as well
1: so i I put the show sheet together yesterday um with these rankings and, and even after I tweaked my rankings, this is sort of where I was slotting in chase Claypool. And, you know, I knew I'd have to talk about this. So I, I, I had to, I started challenging myself. Why am I so low? And, you know, I think, I think I I have to come clean and say, "I, I think I'm too low and, and I will be moving him up in my ranks. I think I've, you know, before the show, I put him at closer to 29. The hard thing for me is, I mentioned that you know there's these big tiers and there's just other players i tend to like better um and you know i i I think to be honest some of my pre-draft bias on chase claypool my doubts um about you know, his physical specimen actually having a refined game behind it, translating into the NFL, I, I think it was still holding me back. And when I sit back and I look at exactly what he did, he had a pretty phenomenal rookie year. And not just, you know, from a production standpoint, but what he really showed was that, you know, th- there are, He's he's able to use his physical tools on an NFL level on an on an NFL field, so I think part of it was, you know, I didn't get a good enough read at Notre Dame with Ian Book throwing the ball. You know, it was a hard projection to make. You know, I didn't see enough there that I felt confident that the that this, the metrics, the measurables that he tested with at the combine, didn't seem to show up on his college tape but they're, they're there on the NFL field now. Like we, we have tape on that. We've seen it. And, and to put them kind of outside, honestly, I like that you even have them in your top 24. It, it's hard for me to get them up there. Um, but, but I think, uh, you know, I think this is an instance of me being too low and, you know, I, it's just one of those ones where there's so many names that you need to get. And I think I mentioned 40 guys could be in the top 24 and and he was in that, just not my favorite. And um I might not have him on a lot of teams because of, you know, my biases, but I, I do have to kind of come clean and say, I think he's a good player and I think he's shown it. And I do have concerns with Pittsburgh and, and the team, but you know, they're a good organization and you know, it's the same way I kind of give Mac Jones the benefit of the doubt in New England, I should probably give Claypool a little bit of a benefit of the doubt in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Claypool is one of the things that surprised everybody. I don't think anybody saw That and I think it takes us some time to adapt and adjust to what we see at the NFL level, especially when they do it so quickly. And whether or not is, is it just like a flash in the pan? And Claypool kept doing it right. And like even the first, you know, preseason game the other night, right? He makes this amazing acrobatic catch down the field. And it's like that physical specimen, you know, people threw out the physical specimen component last year of he's, you know, a Megatron style physical specimen. And it's not that unrealistic in just pure athleticism, height, weight, speed, athletic ability. What he showed last year is truly freakish right now. If he can fine tune everything and become better route runner, understanding route concepts, all that stuff, he, his ceiling, you know, could be really high, right? Like it, there's there's a universe that in in a couple years if Pittsburgh you know gets the quarterback situation resolved is there a dramatic difference between Chase Claypool and DK Metcalf? I I don't know if there is because like their physical capabilities are, are basically on the same level almost, right? They're very freakish, big athletes that fit the prototype of like a traditional outside X wide receiver for whatever that's worked. Now, obviously they, you know, those traditional wide receivers come in all different shapes and sizes. What we used to think is the alpha guy isn't really the case anymore. Oh, you know, but You know Claypool is a guy that I had to come around on. Like I wasn't that high on him, and 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 there were instances where you know I didn't think he was going to be at this level, and he surprised me. I think one of the biggest questions that kind of looms over Pittsburgh is I'm a huge Deontay Johnson fan as well. Is we kind of all thought Juju Smith was going to move on, and then he came back there like on on a reduced one year deal. Where does that go? Because I think that's a real X factor here. You know because. I talked about before, I'm fine with two guys. When you have three guys that are pretty comparable in terms of talent, I think I don't think there's right now a gaping difference between Juju Smith, Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson. They're all different sizes. They all play differently, but I think they're all talented players. If all three and them are there for the long haul, I think, especially with whoever the next quarterback is going to be, I think they're going to eat into each other a little bit. And that's a slight concern I think people could have because Juju Smith's been very successful. He's still very young. And Deontay Johnson, I think, is developing into one of the better, you know, separators in the NFL at, at his size and athletic ability. So I think that's one of the things. Uh, any quick thoughts on Jalen Waddell? We are higher than him, 23, 28, than the consensus to me, I've talked about him so much in the pre-draft process, post-draft. To me, he's the closest thing we've had to Tyree Kill since Tyree Kill's been in the league. Uh, so I'm buying that talent. I think he's going to be a great NFL receiver. So I think low-end wide receiver too in Dynasty. Again, it's really splitting hairs between those guys between like like we said, twenty-three to forty, basically it really is. Do you want to take a guy like Waddle with the extreme upside, or do you want to go get Cooper Cup or Robert Woods, right? Who you kind of know what they're going to be for the next couple of years. And they're probably going to be rock solid wide receiver twos, worst case scenario, high-end wide receiver threes. That in some ways could be better than Jalen Waddle, right? But trying to find that balance in a ranking of right now safety to potential upside is kind of how I landed on Waddle at 23. I think anybody listening to these shows kind of could understand my perspective is building in a little bit of risk, building in a little bit of projecting and upside to some degree. So that's why I come out on Waddle where I do. Is, is that kind of your thinking in that territory for you? You you felt comfortable saying, I'm going to buy in the risk that comes with it over to other guys around him. I'm willing to take the stab on the upside that he presents.
1: Yeah, I, very much so. I think, you know, in my rankings, uh, I actually have him just behind Woods and Cup. Okay. Uh, because, you know, for me, I think you, you mentioned you know your approach is to swing a little bit harder for the fences and and mine's more like take some doubles get a little bit of like bat on ball contact get you know get a little bit more safety especially when i'm building a team from scratch um because i don't want to have a bunch of holes from misses i think if but as far as like why he's down in the 30s on the expert consensus rankings i think that's that's sort of um, I don't think that's fair enough for for the the prospect that Waddle is. I mean, if we're gonna look at Jamar Chase and call him a top ten, top fifteen guy right off the bat, and and uh, Devonte Smith is in the top twenty, twenty five players. I mean, Jalen Waddle is right there with those guys. I mean, he might not be the same level of polish but he's a game breaker and every time he's been on the field he's been showing it um i i think there's a little bit of concern about how quickly he'll you know be able to meld into the offense with his you know i think still a little bit of ankle issues potentially crom- cropping up in camp but i mean this guy is you know he he moves different on the field right and and there's just you know when you have it's an elite trait, right? And, and these guys that have these elite traits and know how to use them, they tend to be successful, right? It, it tends to give them an advantage over their, the defenders, their competition, right? Because they have something that they can use that can't be matched. And that's Jalen Waddell. And so I think, you know, to he just has to be given enough credit to be up there, maybe not ahead,
0: but alongside the guys like Smith and Chase, yeah, I, I think that's, you make a very strong argument when you bring in the fact that if we're going to have chase where we do, or even, even again, even take out my extreme optimism on chase, even if we just look at consensus, having him at 11, it's hard to have chase at 11 and Jalen Waddle at 33 when they're same draft class taken, you know, right next to each other. Basically, it, that seems like a big gap you know, in, in terms of expert consensus rankings. And that seems to be trying to project a little too much, you know, something that, you know, we use draft stock and draft capital matters, but we're saying there does a twenty. Pick gap, you know, between them, you know, twenty-two pick gap between them seems a little wide. Uh, So I agree with you. I think they should be a little bit closer together in the expert consensus rankings. I'm kind of surprised they're not. Uh, One guy that we had a little bit, I had a little bit of a different on than than the community and you was Cortland Sutton. You had him at twenty-three, expert consensus ranking at twenty-four. I had him at thirty-two. For me, kind of like you said, you you know, sometimes guys just got lost in the shuffle in terms of your tier. That would kind of of be the way with Court and Sutton. As I'm making the thing, I just felt he, he had that great year, broke out better than I ever expected, than the injury last year. So to me, there's a little bit of questions with him. Coming off of the injury, and before the injury, he had a rookie tight end in Noah Fant, and nothing else on that roster of substance. And now they've added another first-round rookie in Jerry Judy, who I'm extremely high on. They added a second-round rookie in uh, K.J. Hamler. And Noah Fant now is in his third year, and a lot of people expect a breakout from him. So I do think Corrin's son is going to be good, and I don't overly concern myself with too many – Mouths the feed, but in this instance, for me, 24, 32, it's a drop. It's not significant drop based on how close all these guys are. But for me, those concerns about coming off of the injury, the unknown quarterback, a receiver drafted who I think is more naturally talented than him and Jerry Judy. We'll see if he has as much success another receiver taken around later and a athletic tight end that I think is going to start figuring it out. Does he ever see the amount of workload that he saw two years ago? I'm not sure. So those were my little things with Cortland Sutton that just made me push him back a little bit. Any thoughts on Cortland Sutton, Jeff, in terms of what I said or, or why you have him where you are, or should we move to the next core guys we want to talk about?
1: I guess the reason I was just a tad higher, I I still see him as the primary target in the offense. You know, there are a lot of other talented options to go to there. I just, I'm still projecting. I think Drew Locke, I think Denver just wants him to win the job the same way that uh, Chicago did with like uh, uh, Trubisky last year. They brought in some competition, but with Foles, but they, you know, they still gave the job to the guy they, wanted to win and i just think there's a little bit of enough chemistry there and just a match with the play styles you know and i think just sutton's talented enough that you know after next year you know maybe he's not there in in denver anymore because they move on to you know judy and Fant and use focus their offense around those guys he could go somewhere and and be another just really good you know 1A, 1B kind of, you know, or, or really, really high end to number two wide receiver for a team. Um, so I just think there's enough of the talent that I believe in um, from his rookie year. Um, but a, very good points. I mean, you're not going to have Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater supporting, you know, three or four different fantasy options. So um, I don't really have a problem with it. Like you said, it's really hard with these guys. They get lost in the shuffle when you've got other ones that you're really looking forward to to you know, trying to fit in there.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things that someone could look at in rankings and think that he dislikes a player. And this is a perfect instance where that's not really the case. Like I like Courtland Sutton's game and 23 or 24 down to 32 may seem pretty big, but in reality, we're talking razor thin margins here of 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 ranking these guys, and he could be a guy. He could be a guy like Kenny Galladay, kind of didn't see that second contract in Detroit. I could see a, a scenario where Cortland Sutton is that next guy, right? That he might whether he's not happy there, whether he want you know whether he sees you know himself as the true number one, but Denver maybe has different plans. Whatever the case, Sutton is one of those guys. I could see a trajectory similar to Kenny Galladay, where at some point maybe he decides to move on and, and, and cashes in and becomes somebody else's unquestionable number one guy. So he's a guy we'll be fine. I'm really curious to see how he, how he comes back. Uh Does it, does it take any away because he was one of those guys that did have some high level athleticism for a man, his size and frame. And, and that was what kind of made him a pretty special prospect in his own right. Uh You know, do we see any changes in that coming off of the, the injury? So, I'm going to go to the next group of guys that we want to talk about here. And we're going to talk at the the, the front with some substantial differences on opposite ends of the spectrum here, a couple of young guys. And the first guy I want to talk about is LaVisca Chenault. I have him at 25. Jeff has him at 54. ECR has him at 38. For me, this is one of those scenarios where I looked at LaVisca Chenault pre-draft and I liked them. I didn't love the landing spot when he got to Jacksonville last year because I've never was a Gardner Minshew fan. And now I'm intrigued with the addition of Trevor Lawrence with the Urban Meyer scheme. They're a little concerning that they were so adamant about getting Kadarius Tony because I do think at times they could share a, a similar space. But I do think what it might tell us and and early reports seem to say this is that this is one of those instances, kind of like we talked about with Brandon Ayuk that I think LaVisca Chenault got pigeonholed a little bit as what he can do based on what he did in college. And I think we started to see last year. And I think from all the reports we're hearing from training camp and from the coaches that there's a lot more to LaVisca Chenault's game than I think people might like, I thought maybe coming out of college, he was very much like a Debo guy where, you know, he's going to use that physical specimen, get him the ball, you know, quick hitters, end the rounds, jet sweeps. And I think he could still be great at all that. But I also think there's a little bit more of him being able to win vertically down the field. This is kind of another one of those instances where I want to attach myself to Trevor Lawrence a little bit. And I think LaVisca Chenault's going to be the guy. That could become their lead guy there. Now, if they invest, you know, kind of like the Bengals invested in Jamar Chase, if, if next year Jaguars invest in somebody in the top 10, then this ranking's probably going to be a little aggressive. But I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be the real deal. I think LaVisca Chanel showed a lot in games he played last year and was healthy that I kind of want to again buy now. I think he could be very much as soon as this year. I wouldn't be stunned to see LaVisca Chenault have a very much DJ Moore type statistical year. Like I think he can be that type of player. I don't think DJ Moore is a complete player either. I think he wins in a variety of ways, but he's not this precise route runner. He's great after the catch and he can win short intermediate, but I I think LaVisca Chenault could be very much a DJ Moore style player in terms of production. And I think he could start as soon as this year with the addition of Trevor Lawrence. So I'm kind of all in now because I think the cost for 165 days or six weeks from now or eight weeks from now, you're going to see his cost be higher. So I would want to have him now and expect that breakout that I think we're going to see. Again, that's just – Again, another one of calling my shot kind of and being overly ranking him high to make sure I would have him or know that I'm clear enough that, yes, I don't have to draft him maybe at 25, but but still know that I'm not going to wait to where consensus rankings is. I'm going to kind of strike a little bit earlier because I want him. Thoughts on, on, on Chenault? Is it a scenario where you just kind of see him as a not a role player, so to speak, but more of a part of an offense and not a guy that could really evolve to the lead type guy there?
1: Well, I think that's a great way to put it is um you know, not a lead guy, not like I think twenty-five for me, the high the high end that's a high end for me because I I still don't quite see him as you know a primary alpha number one, however you want to like phrase. It's very different in the NFL these days, how an offense runs in in a ton of different ways, but you know, essentially the engine of the passing offense. I'm not sure I project that for him still. Um, And like you said, just the reason you're so high is is you're projecting 365 days in the future. And I'm kind of taking a current, you know, today's approach on it without trying to bake too much projection in. Um, and I think, you know, part of that is we have no idea what the Ur- urban Meyer offense is really going to look like in the NFL. I mean, it might be a little bit more run heavy. Um, I think it's kind of a waste of Trevor Lawrence's talents, but, um, but I, I just, there's like a lot of unknown there for me. Um, and then just, I, I think what would make a major difference is if, you know, I, I think we're both a little lower on DJ Chark. We might get there a little bit, but um, I'm pretty optimistic about, you know, Marvin Jones being an underrated NFL player that just always does exactly what you need him to do. And and I think he might actually lead the team in passing this, you know, in receiving this year. Um, so I, I just, I think there's other weapons there that is probably going to stand in his way. Um, now, if Visca can jump, dj chark because you know I, I think maybe you're reading into some nuggets that um you know some tea leaves into the the off season where you know urban meyer has said you know dj chark has played small and and we've seen you know lavisca Chenault, you know be able to to go up and get contested balls and and play to his size i i think Maybe if you're projecting him to eclipse and overshadow and and sort of make DJ Chark irrelevant, um, I can, and then Marvin Jones leaves and um, I, maybe I could see it. Um, so I did end up pushing him up from 54 um, mostly because, like I said, I still don't have as much comfort projecting a full year in advance there I, I will as I start to see it through in the through the NFL right if if I start to see this he'll rise up very quickly um so I think he's he's i think it's really smart that you've put it in there and that we've included this because he's a name to pay attention to who could be a really quick riser um but the other reason I've just put him up a little bit further in my rankings uh 44 now is um you know i'm I'm a big Debo Samuel fan um, I like Amari Rogers as a prospect this year coming out. And, you know, those guys are players that fit a particular role in the offense. Um, and I think LaVisca already showed that he could do that well. And I think he could be that electric player with great yards after the catch. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm, Optimistic about guys like Amari Rogers and Debo Samuel, then then I think Lavisca get, should get a little bit of an extra credit. Um, and I just I don't know what to make about you know Travis Etienne and the the desire for wanting to see Kadarius Tony. I think there's just a lot of ambiguity in the situation. You know, it 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 sounded like that off season that they weren't. Maybe they just didn't want to put. LaVisca Mm -hmm. Chenault in the same role that he played last year, or maybe they didn't, you know, they wanted to put somebody else in that role and maybe he doesn't Mm -hmm. find one. I I think it's just going to be really telling to see during the preseason as the NFL season plays along, you know, where does this shuffle end up? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that ambiguity has sort of scared me off making a bold bet.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's interesting because the it kind of it kind of goes into like we can spin a narrative to be whatever we want, right? Like I know I'm a big fan of the word Christopher Harris does, and he always talks about that like crutch arguments, right? You can take some a stance and you can listen to a nugget and you can spin it one way or you can spin it another way, right? And spinning it one way was they want Kadarius Tony or now they're gonna do something with Travis Etienne. And it sounds like that role really overlaps with LaVisca Chenault, which would be very concerning. And then on the flip side, you can take that same piece of information and say they have much bigger and bolder things and plans for LaVisca Chenault, much more than that gadget offensive role type player. They think he can be a big time outside true outside, you know, alpha wide receiver. And that's one way that you could, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's so hard trying to decipher things because we really can kind of spin almost any stat, any nugget. And make it sound like one way or another, right? And this is one of those things where you can take that interest in Tony and what, and then drafting Ethian and what they've been saying, and you can look, make it as a really big negative for LaVisca Chenault, or you can make it as a very big positive. So I always find that really, you know, that balancing act of, of trying to navigate very interesting, uh, for sure. Another guy that, you know, and again, I knew I was gonna be much higher, I didn't know I was gonna be as high. Until you put the show sheets together compared to the consensus rankings, with Nicole Hardman of Kansas City, I have him at forty-six. You have him at seventy-six. ECR sixty-two, probably the largest spread of anybody we've had ranked, uh, you know, since we've been doing this. And Hardman is Hartman is a tough one, right? Because I don't have a I don't have a lot of evidence to put him as a low wide receiver four or, you know, low end flex, whatever you want to say, almost a wide receiver five. But I think I've been a believer in his talent. I've been a believer in the situation. Is it been, he was a guy who didn't play wide receiver for that long, was, was late to wide receiver, all this athletic talent. We've seen glimpses of big plays, We've never seen Kansas City want to give him much of a big role, right? Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, et cetera, et cetera. But he's attached to Patrick Mahomes. It sounds like he's on the path to be their starting wide receiver this year next to Tyree Hill so much attention Tyree Kill's way, so much attention Travis Kelsey's way. We've seen Sammy Watkins have games. We've seen Demarcus Robinson have games. I mean, we've seen Nicole Hartman have games, right? So I like the pure athletic talent of Nicole Hartman. I've been waiting for a little bit of breakout, even though I, I understand it's never probably going to come with a lot of consistency, just the type of player he is and the fact that Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey get so much of the offense fed through them, but I also do understand that that offense has enough big play ability to satisfy and make another guy in the receiving core fantasy viable. So I think he's far superior talent wise than what Sammy Watkins is now, once all the injuries sapped him of his explosiveness. Demarcus Robinson, one more time. I'm willing to. I, I got, I put, I traded for him. Probably didn't pay anything of what a 46th wide receiver would have been in Dynasty. So I'm still in on him because of the opportunity that exists. They drafted him high. Maybe they know he's just a limited role player, come on the field, take a couple deep shots and a returner. And maybe that's why they haven't put more on his plate. Or they saw a guy that needed time to develop, not a guy who was very nuanced. And maybe now is his time. I don't know. It could go one way, and I could be very wrong, or it could go the other way. And I'm, you know, and he explodes. I kind of feel like 46. I'm hedging a little bit. I'm not over aggressive. He's in an area where yes, I'm passing on guys who I know can be in that reliable low-end wide receiver three, safe bye week, wide receiver four options. I'm willing to take the gamble there, even though I know it's a big gamble. But Mahomes, that offense, the draft capital, the pure athletic ability, and what the opportunity that finally appears to be waiting for him, I'm ready to give it one more shot before he slides way, way down rankings if we don't see something this year. So thoughts on Harmon? Is is it just the hasn't done anything? I can't put him over these other guys.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's that. I'm also wondering, you know, maybe we're overrating this, this situation, right? Like it seems great to be tied to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's got two more years on his deal. So that's, that's not a long time. And I don't know if he's necessarily doing anything enough to really warrant an extension or or like staying tight in that situation but i had a funny stat you know as the the redraft um fantasy season starts coming in and and you get all the you know you get a lot more chatter these days about you know the optimism or situation and i I think when you know stats are fun and all but you know and, and just take it for as a fun and interesting stat not anything predictive but the last time kansas city had two top 24 wide receivers was 2004 right so i i think i will the, the reason i want to use that is to maybe illustrate just you know you say there's a lot of attention to kelsey and hill but the offense is just funneled through those two options and they're so good that regardless of the amount of attention that they get they're winning right like you know you can Try to double Tyreek Hill, but he's still going to find his way open. You, you know, you can blink at uh, Travis Kelsey, but, um, you know, but he's still going to catch the ball, right? Mahomes can still put it where he's going to cap- grab it and Kelsey's still going to come down with it. So it's, you know, the office is going to funnel through those guys. And I just don't know that there's a lot left. And I just, you know, talent, talent's what demands targets, right? And we just, we haven't seen it for two years. I I mean, you know, maybe year one, maybe year two, I could kind of understand, especially if we had seen some promising signs. I just haven't seen enough for me to kind of go back to the well year three, personally. So that's why I'm low on on Nicole Hardman is because I think there's just other shots I'd rather take, you know? I think that, you know, maybe we'll talk about a couple of them, you know, later, but like Kadarius, Tony type players right like i'd rather just take a shot there
0: yeah and and I, personally yeah i agree i have tony higher than Harmon on my ranks uh, so, so i would as well and, and listen i think it's one of those things that it's totally you know and, and obviously the expert consensus rankings you know agree much closer with you than me right they have met 62 you know i have met you know you have met 76 i have met 46 so you know they obviously think more of your inkling in terms of he's got to prove it a little bit more before most people are willing to kind of move him back up a little bit, or they at least need to see Kansas city fully commit to him being on the field, 70, 80% and not just being a rotation with guys. And like you said, we maybe also need a year where we see another guy could at least be fancy viable. And I don't, you know, I think we know the offense is always going to run through the top two guys you know, but maybe it would be nice if we see somebody else at least be like a wide receiver four, right? And that's something that we haven't really seen. Uh, We know week to week, it could happen for sure in that offense, but we haven't seen it yet. So, you know, I'm obviously predicting a little bit or expecting a little bit of something we haven't seen yet. And I think that's, you know, that's where, most people are going to want to say, "I need to see some of it bef- before I kind of make that stance." A couple guys that you're a little higher on uh, than me are a couple guys who've been around a while, but still relatively young, and that's Brandon Cox and Will Fuller. Two guys who I actually do. Do like a lot in terms of their talent, but it just fell a little bit further down the rankings for me. For me, Brandon Cooks was at 52. Uh, part of that was the uncertainty with Deshaun Watson probably not playing for Houston, who's the next quarterback. Like, you know, a little bit there, but all Brandon Cooks has done is deliver. So that does seem a little bit low now that I'm looking, uh, you know, where he is in expert consensus rankings. And then Will Fuller, uh, I have him at 50. You have him at 34, expert consensus ranking 40. He's another guy. I do like the talent a lot. Obviously, injuries have hampered him. Uh is Miami his long term spot now? I'm not sure. Uh, but those are two guys that I do like their actual talents a lot. Uh just didn't just didn't end up as high on the rankings as uh maybe they should have. Uh, you you obviously have them higher up than me, even higher than both consensus rankings. So, a little bit thoughts on your perspective on Fuller and Cooks, where you had them.
1: Yeah, Brandon Cooks, I've been thumping all summer. Just this guy. Now, I'd love it if Watson was there, and maybe if you if he was, you'd you'd get he'd get a lot more love out there. But I think you said it well. He's just always delivered. He's an elite talent he's always making plays he's always and i'm not really sure they don't really have Watson there probably but i don't they don't really have anybody else to throw the ball to like i think he's going to get a lot of targets his way i don't think he's going to be very efficient with them but you know he's going to you know all it takes is kind of one pass for him and and one play and he can hit and I think he's going to get enough opportunity to do it regularly enough for your team. And it's again, it's just he's just put thousand yard season after thousand yard season down. Um and has been just a positive for his NFL teams, you know, every single time he's been on the field. I think he had a little bit of a blip with the Rams when he was kind of injured. You know, this was like their post-Super Bowl hangover where, you know, McVeigh's offense didn't really adjust to the you know the the way defenses were playing them but um but yeah like I mean every single stop he's made he's he's you know been a plus for their team and so I I just think he's just too good to bury down the ranks. And it's kind of the same thing with Will Fuller. I think he's just too good to bury down the ranks. We talked about you know game breaking speed with Jalen Waddell right like Will Fuller has I'm going to be really interested to see if he can do it in Miami Um, because playing with Deshaun Watson, you know, is an amazing situation to be able to break out into. And it's going to be a little bit harder now for him. Um, Injuries are one concern, but he was healthy last year until he got his suspension for um, the substances. So, you know, is he going to be... Always nursing an injury, is he going to be able to do it without Deshaun Watson? I, I think those are really legitimate, uncertain questions. But he was, he was making plays every single week, like multiple times a game, just flipping the field, long touchdowns, and and just like unstoppable. Like everybody knew that he was going, like there were going to be shots to him, and and they couldn't stop it, and. I don't know if that's going to translate into a new situation, but I like the talent enough. I like, we, you know, again, we talked, I was saying, uh, Waddle, just game breaking abilities. He's got a game breaking ability. And so I just want to put some chips into that, ba- into that basket and, and see where they land. And I might, you know, it might end up washing out a little bit, but I don't think, you know, sort of the back end wide receiver three, you know, or maybe you're, fourth wide receiver is really that much of a risk to take.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm looking, listening to you speak. And, and just as I talked about it before, like I do genuinely like these players. like you've looking over my rankings. Now, these are two guys that I could see myself moving up before we post this, you know uh, on the, on the website, which we'll talk a little bit about in a few minutes here at the end of the show, but I could see both these guys going up. Cause right now I have both of these guys kind of below The second tier of rookie wide receiver, or technically third tier of rookie wide receivers in my perspective, the Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall group, that group. And the more I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking that these guys maybe should be above that for me. And, uh, you know, I know the other guys might have more upside But I think there's question marks there. They have draft capital, but it's day two draft capital. It's not even round one draft capital. you know. So I'm looking at these guys, and I could see a scenario where Fuller and Cooks move up a little bit uh, into the 40s somewhere for me. Like I said, I have them at 50 and 52. I could see them going into somewhere in the mid-40s, which might be a better place for these guys than where I have them. Uh, right now somewhere there it would be a little bit closer to consensus rankings, but maybe i put these guys over that third tier of wide receivers for me from these rookies, which I think is what makes it so hard with the success of rookies kind of fitting in those rookies is, is really the tricky part, Uh, you know, because you almost got to have them like grouped together or, or somewhat close together, right? If you believe in them and if you kind of have them close in your rookie rankings, like you kind of feel like, you know, th- they're in like, similar tiers and I have the elite tier with the chase and the Devonta Smith and the Jalen Waddle. Then I have that next year for me, which kind of has Elijah Moore. There is Tony and Rashad Bateman. And I kind of have them side by side in my rankings. And then I have that next tier of guys. Uh, and, and I think maybe Fuller and cook should be moved ahead of that third tier of rookies for me. So I might make some small adjustments in that. Uh, Jeff, why don't we close out the night here with a little rapid fire on a couple guys. Uh, We seem to have some concerns collectively, me and you, on Tyler Boyd and DJ Chark compared to the industry. And then we are a little bit higher on two rookies, one being Kadarius Toney, who we've talked about, and then the second one being Josh Palmer, who – All reports have been raving about him in camp. He was a guy I really was intrigued by uh, in rookie drafts, and we have him at 1658. Expert consensus rankings have him at 98. Uh, We'll start with the guys that we have a little doubts on, and I'll I'll throw to you real quick. For me, I kind of talked about my intrigue with LaVisca Chenault. I am using that as a way to push DJ Chark a little bit down, because from what you don't see coaches attack guys as much in the media, especially new coaches. I know Urban Meyer is a big name, but the con- the comments about DJ Chark, I guess it could be looked at as motivating, trying to motivate him, you know, to play bigger. But those were pretty damning comments that you don't usually see a coach publicly make about a player who's had some success. So, I don't know if he's on the outs, if he's a little bit in the doghouse. Is it going to be easy for him? Was it just a motivating technique? Uh, But you mentioned before Marvin Jones. I do like the addition of Marvin Jones as a really solid veteran. So if if DJ Chark is in a little bit of the doghouse and Marvin Jones is just the solid veteran, and I think LaVisca Chenault going to make up, that naturally makes me push down DJ Chark a little bit. So that's my perspective. And Tyler Boyd. You know I'm all in on the Bengals' offense. Uh, I like Tyler Boyd a lot. I think he could be a guy that is a really good slot receiver, maybe catches 75, 80 passes, don't know what kind of touchdown production that's going to bring, and don't know if they'll be able to cash in his next contract is going to be $11, 12000000 million plus minimum. If Sterling Shepard's making 10, Tyler Boyd's a better player and been more productive. I don't know if they'll be able to invest in that, knowing that they have Chase and Higgins down the pipeline. And then where does he go? That's a little bit there. So I think he'd still be very good. I think he'd still have a lot of receptions. Don't know what the yardage and the touchdown totals could look like. I think that could be pushed more towards, you know, Higgins and Chase, those numbers, you know, far superior. Uh, I like him. As a decent wide receiver, three, four, but for Dynasty, I'm a little bit hesitant to have him in my 30s. That's why I had him at 42. Thoughts on Chark and Boyd? Anything different than what I said of why a little bit of hesitation on your end?
1: No, just quick hits. You know, I'm not as optimistic about the Bengals offense, but I am still really high on Jason Higgins. So naturally, it's, you know, Boyd's done a great job producing but I just think he's going to get outshined. You know, those are just really talented players that he's playing with. Um, with DJ Chark, I, I think the one thing that I would, um, you know, I'll, I, I take as a lesson learned is, you know, I, it's really nice to see a player break out or start to break out or flash on the field, but they really have to build on it, right? And, you know, one of my major lessons learned, you know, as I've grown, you know, through my, you know, evaluation is uh dante pettis right like i was and i'm a niner's fan you know the way that he started his you know for finish his rookie year and just the efficiency that he hit was mind-blowing for me i was like this guy's gonna be great right and he didn't build on it right and he got in the doghouse and he washed out right he's maybe losing a roster spot at the you know in new york now so i really It was disappointing to not see, you know, Chark build on it. And if he doesn't respond now and it doesn't sound like he is, like, I don't, you know, maybe he gets another shot somewhere and he has to build himself from the ground up, but that's a hard place to do with new talent always coming in, all these rookies. So it was a really good story to see him break out, but I think we have to be quick to adjust.
0: Yeah, I think you're right because the influx of talent every single year at the wide receiver position is great. It's hard to say a guy's going to go somewhere else unless he's a well-established guy, right? I talked about if Cortland suddenly leaves, it's kind of like Kenny Galladay leaving. That's a different story. If Tyler Boyd goes somewhere, he's going to be signed as an integral part of an offense, at least as that starting slot wide receiver. But a guy who kind of flames out after he starts hot, it's hard to get that back it really is and you know and that's the thing we're living in if chark can't make it in jacksonville with trevor lawrence a relatively young team opportunity i don't know how easy it's going to be for him just to flip on the switch if he gets traded to a new team or leaves via free agency it's asking for a lot we don't see that too often so i think i think our concerns are valid to kind of let it play out and see and then, you know, adjustments made, you know, if all of a sudden we see the DJ Chark of two years ago and then, you know, and then he gets moved way up, Ch- Chenault goes down. Maybe they meet somewhere near each other for me. Uh, you know, that's a, to be determined. And let's round out the night with these, those two rookies that I talked about, Kadarius Tony and Josh Palmer. I've talked a lot about Kadarius Tony. I have him at 39. I could see 39 to 45 is, is, is a really basically, you know, I could have re-ranked that in a variety of different ways. For me, when I look at Kadarius Toney, I've talked about him a lot. I think people are putting a stigma on him and holding pre-draft bias against him. When the NFL circle looked at him as a round one talent, most people in the know, like Daniel Jeremiah, had him as a round one guy in their early mock drafts. Reports have been that Jacksonville wanted him, Green Bay wanted him, New Orleans was intrigued by him. So I don't think it was much of a reach. We just saw this a year ago, a guy with a very comparable skill set to Kadarius Toney and Brandon Ayuk. The fantasy community wasn't high on it, didn't think he should be a first-round pick, and we saw his skill set translate to the NFL. Kadarius Tony has the same or better skill set than Brandon Ayuk. I'm not saying he's going to be as talented. I'm not saying he's going to be as good and as productive because I do think it's not going to be a quick. I don't think this, I don't see a scenario where Kadarius Tony has a season like Brandon Ayuk had last year, but I also think as a first round pedigree, so in Shepard might not be here for more than this year. I think we are overstating our, I think people are overstating their pre-draft takes on where his fantasy rankings lie right now. And I've said that I've talked about it a lot. I think once he's out there making plays, people Mindset is going to change a little bit. I think people are holding the Giants and Jason Garrett a little too much against them. So we'll see. But I think a first round rookie wide receiver consensus ranking is at 60 or 59 is a little too low. I think somewhere in the forties probably should be right. And then Josh Palmer. And then I want to hear your quick takes on this, Jeff. Josh Palmer is a guy that my ranking again, it's, it's a dangerous game to play. But I think when we get to a certain point in the rankings, you're, you're, I don't want a guy who I just know could be a solid wide receiver four or five. I'm going to put Josh Palmer over those guys because I think there's a scenario where Mike Williams is not on the chargers a year from now and Josh Palmer develops into the number two wide receiver. And then we're talking about a guy who's going to be ranked in the 30s or, or low 40s with Justin Herbert at the quarterback. So for me, I liked him on tape. The NFL liked him, talked about him a lot leading up to the draft. He lands with a great young quarterback. His skill set is completely opposite of Keenan Allen's. So it's not like they're overstepping each other in terms of role, right? Keenan Allen's much more slot possession style player. Josh Palmer can get vertical. Justin Herbert loved going vertical. We sort of guys that he made fantasy relevant in bits and pieces of weekly moments last year. Buying Josh Palmer stock now, I think is a good investment because I think it could really hit. And early reports in training camp are that he's looked tremendous. Now we haven't even gotten to week one of the preseason yet. So I don't want to go off of a couple days of training camp, but it's better than not having positive reports, right? So the fact that Reports are glowing. Check. Justin Herbert. Check. Pending free agency for Mike Williams. Check. A lot of things. Liked his film evaluation pre-draft. Check. That's why I don't I think a hundred is way too low. Approaching a hundred. Mean you see it a little bit similar. So, any thoughts, Tony Palmer, to round out tonight, Jeff?
1: No, I think you said it really well with Tony. I mean he's a regular on this show but you know he's down at near 60 on your expert consensus ranks so he's basically an afterthought you know he's he's got more upside than Amon Ross St. Brown or Sterling Shepard or Gabriel Davis or all guys that are going around him right like I I mean he's he's an electric player on the field you know we have to give you know some opportunity some room some optimism the fact that he could translate right like he could get out there and you know look every part of the playmaker he was and maybe even maybe even like brandon Ayuk, take a giant step that we didn't see in college right um it's going to be hard and obviously your training camp buzz is just buzz. You know, it's been a little bit harder for the optimism on Tony than it has been on Palmer, but you know, the talent is there for him. Right. And, and I think you just have to, at some point, like you said, take on the upside of a guy who could, you know, really hit, like, you know, even if he's not Brandon, Ayuk, maybe he's, you know, a LaVisca Chenault or something, or, um, he, it's the same thing. Like where people were low on Claypool last year, and he hit right. Like I mean, I was low on Clay Claypool, and he hit. He translated. He took those athletic, measurable, like you know, size, speed, you know, electric playmaking ability, and he actually translated. He took it to the NFL field, and he made that step that people doubted. Right? Like that could be Kadarius Tony. Right? He could just be an screaming value for you guys you know, in your drafts and, you know, I think it's the same thing with Palmer. I think we both have him ranked pretty high, you know, like expert consensus is at a, you know, 98 and we're both up at 60. Right. So, um, you know, he wouldn't have to be your fourth or fifth wide receiver that you take, but yeah, you know, I don't want nine points from Sterling Shepard. I don't want, you know, Jamison. We know kind of what these guys are like Josh, Josh Palmer. he, he has really good draft capital, right? Like he he was a hard evaluation to uh to make in college, right? You know, it's just his quarterback play was holding him back. You like you couldn't really get an accurate read of the talent that he was, but you know, they the Chargers, they took a chance. They they saw traits that they like that would translate to their offense they selected him with they two capital and you know like you said again it's just training camp buzz but you know so when, when someone says the the ball never hits the ground when it's thrown to him like that's pretty optimistic like that's that's pretty exciting stuff to hear about a guy that that could translate and and could be this the number two option once you know maybe mike williams leaves so i just the there's there's no upside baked into his his consensus ranking um and i and I think it really should be you know I'd rather take that upside than somebody who you know never really sees you know value to my my squad right you know
0: yeah i mean and and you mentioned him before, and he's he's kind of a great guy to compare both these guys to, like I just think people are holding too much bias against Kadarius Tony, right? A 23 gap between him and Rashad Bateman, a 15 or or 18 gap between him and uh, Elijah Moore, a 12 gap between him and Rondell Moore, and the same as Amon Ross St. Brown, a fourth round pick compared to a first round pick. And on the flip side, a 40 rank difference between Amon Ross St. Brown and Palmer. Like, that is staggering when you think about it. Like, Palmer drafted round three, St. Brown round four, a 40-different spots in rankings of ECR from, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is 58 to 98 for Josh Palmer. 40 spots for a guy who had better draft capital is attached to a – potentially elite young quarterback, 40 spots because of pre-draft bias. If it works out, the Amon Ra believers, good for you. To me, best case is, is, is Tyler Boyd, which would be amazing. And then he would at least be worth what people are investing in him. But I think people are not using just what we know about the percentages in terms of guys hitting in day three and the percentages in round one and baking that in a little bit more than they are. And that's going back to from rookie rankings as well. So we don't have to dig into that again. Uh, So there it is, guys, we went a little bit longer on this episode than the first two, but wide receivers, there's just more to talk about. It really is. You know, we could have brought up another 15, 20 names that really were of intrigue. Uh, Again, if you missed the first two episodes, please go back and listen quarterback, running back. You'll get a lot out of it. We have one more left to talk about the tight end position. Remember, after all four episodes, these rankings will be on a Google sheet that will be posted on the S2S website. It will be free there will be some modifications and updates. So if you see Wolf Fuller and Brandon cooks a little bit higher on my list than what we said tonight, or if you see, you know, Chase Claypool, you know, or LaVisca Chenault a little bit higher on Jeff's, you know, list. And then what we specifically said at, at one point on the show, we will make some small modifications because we want it to be uh, as relevant as possible for you. And we do make some changes. Those, that will be posted on the website. It will be updated from time to time. They will also be in the new, saturday sunday premium notebooks it has not launched yet they will launch in september we'll, i'll do a launch show it'll be all over twitter it'll be all over the podcast uh but they'll be in the new rankings notebook that will come out in september not in the old ones that are pretty much now uh you know set to expire and, and not no longer be updated here in the next couple of weeks they will be in the new ones that will launch in september it knows those will be updated more frequently and may have more substance and context also added to them in the future. So, Jeff, again, please, any final parting shots, let the audience know where to follow you or anything else before I close it up.
1: Always love talking football. We could do it all night, um, but uh, we'll save we'll save a little bit of energy for, for our last show here with the tight ends. Um, like Paul said, rankings are great in a vacuum but context really matters so if you guys have any questions if you want a little bit more personalized advice um talk to paul on twitter talk to me on twitter you can find me at the sofa scout and um love as much as i love talking football with paul um i'll talk football with you guys all day long too
0: absolutely make sure you're following jeff on twitter reach out to him reach out to me uh with any questions that you have here as we are getting revved up here about a month away or so from opening night of the NFL season. So on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time, taking you from Saturday to Sunday.